right now, though. We head to France and catch up with our mate Chris Foy from the Daily Mail. Morning, Chris. How are you? Good. How are you? Morning. Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. How's, how's France treating you? It's good. We've been here quite a while. I've almost got national, you know, national um, citizenship or whatever after being here so long. They keep sticking passes in my uh, stamps in my passport and uh, let me back in. So uh, no, it's all good. All good. Well, then there was four, Chris, and then there was four. England, the only North team left in this competition, mate. Uh, did you expect this leading into this World Cup, mate? That potentially be playing for a semi-final. Obviously, we don't want to get started on the draw, but mate, how have you found their, their campaign so far? Uh, so the quick answer to your question is no, 100% no. It wouldn't have been seen in a million years that England would be the last team standing from the north. Um, I actually looked at the way the fixtures were set up last weekend and thought there was a lot of sort of excited chat in Europe about, you know, European rugby circles saying, oh, it could be a 4 0 sort of return for the, the Northern Hemisphere teams this weekend, and I'm thinking, no, 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 I don't see that. I did not see it going that way. I actually, I will genuinely say, and it's in print, it's, it's on the internet, you can check, I actually did say New Zealand would beat Ireland. I, I, I just had a sneaking suspicion that would happen, but I, I certainly just didn't see out of everything with, with France in the mix at the Home World Cup or whatever, that England would be the last ones left. And in terms of their... In terms of their campaign, it's sort of they've just sort of trundled along on, under the radar a little bit. As you say, the draws been in balance, so they've been on the quieter side, the, the, the sort of second division side of the tournament, uh, and just sort of quietly going about their business. They're, they're sort of happy that way. They want everyone to sort of forget they're here, and hope they can sort of you know go proceed along in the dark and sort of pop up in the final. But obviously, that's going to uh, go out the window now because they've got the spring box, so it's going to be pretty lively. Yeah, there was a lot of pundits out there and plenty up in the north that were picking a 4-0 drubbing uh, going into the semi-finals. All the southern teams will be gone. But what what is it, do you think? Is is there a block in their minds when it comes to World Cups? I had that uh, thought leading into this that potentially World Cups are different. You know, like they are knockout. They, unless you've been there and had that experience, it counts for a lot. Was that the same thoughts that you had, particularly with the Islands, Island All Blacks clash? I, I just think, uh, yeah, I just think a lot of what goes on in the four years effectively goes out the window. And I find it interesting how much everyone reads into the build-up and, and, and sort of thinks, right, well, this is the hierarchy. This is how it's going to be. And, there, I mean, certainly in the case of the Irish, there was a huge amount of confidence. I mean, most of Ireland seemed to be in Paris at the week, last weekend. Absolute chaos. I mean, we were down in Marseille, but you could almost hear the Irish in Marseille. It was just absolute bedlam. And I think they had convinced themselves it would be different this time. And they had, because they had been so consistent, they'd been so um, sort of authoritative in getting to number one in the world and staying there, that they really believed it. But in the end, the rankings don't matter, do they? The rankings don't matter. I, I kept looking at that game and thinking, hang on, there's such an assumption that Ireland are going to stroll through here. And I'm thinking, they are playing the All Blacks. And I'm not, as I said, I'm genuinely not being wise after the event. I was thinking before, you do know it's New Zealand. Like, they're going to be quite up for this, and they're quite good. <laughs> and it depends on the type of game. It depends on the type of game that's, and how it's refereed and so on. But if you've got New Zealand allowed to play a bit, most teams are going to struggle to beat them, and they were able to play a bit. So, I, you know, I, I, I was quite surprised at how much 
everyone bought into the idea that we sort of know already how this is all going to pan out. You don't, do you? It's just on the day. I mean, Fiji, and a bounce of the ball or a, a one last miracle play, and Fiji beat England the next day. And, you know, it's all, all, all hell breaks loose. So it's, you know, it was so close. That was part of the joy of the weekend. It was so close. Well, you're there, you're there, Chris, and you know you're up against a, a Springbok side that um, I guess France played them the way that they wanted to. There was only, I think, one scrum, so they kept them away from that 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 part of the field. But the bomb squad, do you think England have have the game to keep the ball and play, um, but to defuse the bomb squad as well? I mean, the thing is, they can they can talk about how, how they're going to do it as much as they want, and they can know exactly what's coming. But there's very few teams can deal with that. I mean, it's you know, it's it's got that nickname for a reason. I mean, they are phenomenal, aren't they? You know, it's it's not complicated. I mean, what obviously what I would say is, South Africa have evolved a fair bit since you know the last World Cup, and and even when some of us were over there during the COVID period on a very hollow Lions tour when there was no spectators and we were sat in the stadium watching them beat the Lions and they were very one-dimensional. They do have lots of different tricks now up their sleeve. They've got incredible wide runners, try scorers, a, a bit of magic, you know, playmakers who can, can offer something a bit different. They're not just kicking the ball in the air. But in the end, it comes a lot back to that, that massive pack. They've got that core, that bomb squad sort of threat. And... Yeah, England, I don't know. I, I, I think England are capable of giving them a proper good game here. This is not, I don't see it being a walkover, yep. but there is no doubt whatsoever that South Africa are firm favourites. It's just quite funny watching how England react when you tell them that, though. You know, you just sort of, we've, we've sort of prodded them a bit and said, oh, you know, what's it going to be like to be underdog? Steve Borthwick. It looks like he's going to come over there and rip your throat out when you say it to him, <laughs> because to him, to him it's, it seems like a real sort of a slight. And you're just thinking they're the world champions and they're looking pretty tasty. So that's not really that much of a slight. But yeah, they're clear favourites. And physically, they if they get it right, I don't know if England, even at 100%, can match it. But they're going to take a great big swing. And the point about it for England is they're growing in confidence. They've, they have also been fostering this siege mentality. They are... They are cultivating a feeling of everyone's out to get us, everyone hates us, we're backed into a corner. They're sort of making some of it up. It's not actually true. Like some of it they are certainly fabricating for their own purposes. <laughs> but it seems to be doing a job for them. It does you know, it did a job for them last summer when they beat Australia and believed they'd been slighted by the Australians and went to war on them and won the second and third test down in Australia. And it was sort of out of the clear blue sky. There was no slight, there was no um, you know, sort of criticism or insult from the opposition, but they sort of contrived one and it gave them the anger they needed. So maybe there's a bit of that going on again this time. So they are they are really up for the fight, but it's going to be some fight. And the other thing is, it, there is no expectation on England at all. Not in the media, not in the public. No one really believes they've got they've got a shot. So they've got they they've just got a chance to go and take a big swing without that pressure. No surprises there from what I'm hearing there, Chris. We know how the English players and, and, and the public love to bang their own trumpet, my friend. Beat their, uh, blow their own trumpet. Sorry, I uh, just want to talk to you about your article about Marcus Smith. You were you were saying that potentially there will be a change there anyway. Well, that change has been made because they've been dealt with concussion. Freddie Stewart comes in. Are you happy with that change? And also, South Africa got a lot of success from the kick. 
against France. So expectations are going to receive a lot of high balls. Are they able to, to counter the pressure that will be coming from the kick? Yeah, I mean, basically what's happened is it, it seems as if Marcus Smith um, passed his HIA. And by the way, this is all unconfirmed, as in it's not going to be confirmed officially until tomorrow here in France. Yeah. But our understanding, a lot of us have been reporting this today, is that Stewart will, Freddie Stewart will start a fullback and Smith has potentially uh, had an issue with uh, the HIA test that he'd have had to have done after the match because there's a sort of sequence of them to, to be absolutely thorough. Now, this is all unconfirmed. It, there's a bit of speculation around this, but one way or another, he was very bashed up from the Fiji game. He took a lot of uh, punishment and you know, his head took a lot of punishment. There was a clash of heads with the Fiji winger, which meant he had, he had to go for an HIA. He came back and played on, but it looks like now he's struggling. He's not going to play. Freddie Stewart at fullback. And what would have been interesting would have been to see what they did if Smith was fit. Because I think, to be honest, this might have been the change anyway. Freddie Stewart is not the same sort of creative presence that Marcus Smith is. He's not going to pull miracle plays out of the bag. But he's incredibly good in the air. Um, that's his go-to um, sort yeah. of... Uh, asset that he can bring to the team. He's a tall, very confident guy in the air. He will probably try and lock it up at the back. I mean, they will try and kick to other areas, but then Johnny May's pretty decent in the air. It looks like they're going to be unchanged other than Stewart. England will believe that Johnny May's good on one wing in the air. Elliot Daly has played fullback. He's believed to be pretty strong in the air. Freddie Stewart is excellent. And they will believe they can nullify pretty well what the Springboks do to them in terms of that aerial game. Whether or not they can counter-attack it effectively without Smith at fullback remains to be seen. But they, they should be able to shut it down reasonably well. Chris, do they mobilise the fans with the uh, Irish and the French out? Are you expecting the crowds to still come along to the semi-finals? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, you know, Paris is very accessible from from uh, particularly the south of England, but, you know, anywhere in England you can get, get to Paris pretty easily. I would be surprised if there's not a big influx of fans. What what seems to be the case with this tournament is England fans started off, aside from the ones that already bought tickets, England fans probably went through the uh, our summertime watching England struggle and thinking, we're just not getting behind this. We don't believe in this. It looks doomed. And... Because it's been fairly low-key, there's no big grand statements, there's no big sort of tub-thumping stuff from the squad, and they haven't sort of set the place on uh, set the place alight. They haven't sort of gone around blitzing other teams and really making a statement. They've sort of quietly gone about their work. I wouldn't say it's sort of, you know, taken the country by storm in terms of the excitement back home, but gradually it's dawning on people, well, hang on, they're in a semi-final and, you know, it's in Paris, and they've got maybe they've got a bit of a shot here after all. So I think there's going to be a bit of a sort of late surge in interest. And if they were to manage to, if they were to manage to beat the Springboks, which is a huge if, and they will be clear underdogs. If they were to manage to win that one, the, all hell will break loose, like absolute chaos. You know, the last time they did it and got to a final in 07 in Paris. Every boat and plane coming over from England was just full of people clamouring to get in the stadium. It will be pandemonium if England managed to get to the final. So if the All Blacks ended up in a final against England, the All Blacks will have a lot of people shouting against them because there will just be an <laughs> invasion next week. 
What about, uh, Chris, the news that came out yesterday that Angus Gardner and Ben O'Keefe are the two semi-final referees, a couple of uh, Australasians. Uh, how has that been greeted? I can't imagine uh, that England would have wanted that. They maybe wanted a, a, a someone like a, a Reynal. I don't, I don't think they've got a huge problem. I mean, uh, sometimes you have that issue of between, if you like, between the hemispheres, slight differences in interpretations and a few grumbles here and there. But frankly, sometimes I, I don't think it's as clear cut as that. I think every team probably privately has their has their favourites, ones who naturally they feel like they get on with personally. They all do sort of almost like sort of personality profiling these days, as you know, and going go into great detail about what each referee's like to talk to and so on. I think there's, to be honest, it, it gets to the stage sometimes where it feels like everyone's got a complaint about every referee one way or another. And uh, I just hope that's not the big talking point this weekend. What's partly interesting is, certainly from an English perspective, is not seeing Wayne Barnes involved uh, and thinking, well, uh, how are they already planning for what may happen in the final or whatever? You're sort of wondering how much they're sort of thinking of this weekend and the final weekend as a sort of as a package and uh, how they sort of uh, organise the officials. But I I don't think England particularly would have a great problem. I mean, the problem they've got to have is communicating well and. And this comes down to Owen Farrell communicating well because he sometimes has an ability to wind up referees, um, as he was doing when he was complaining in the game in Lille against Samoa when he got timed out taking a penalty because he was complaining about no yellow cards being shown. So, in general, he's just got to get the uh, the tone of the communication right and England have got to make sure they don't run, go around trying to take people's heads off because they've had a horrible habit of doing that in recent times and getting red cards, so... Is a big focus on that. Although they've they've improved a lot, they've you know they, they've sort of done a lot better in this tournament. Certainly since the first game, when it was a one of those sort of clash aheads with Tom Curry that was a, a slightly unlucky collision, but you know he still faces the consequences. Well, Chris, you're into the semi-final and you've made it. You're taking on the Springboks. There is a that is a rematch from the 2019 Rugby World Cup fire. So there'll be fire in the belly of the English knowing what went on in that final. Uh, how does this all play out, mate? How do you see it all eventually and who's going to take it out? Well, I think the, the smart money for the for the weekend is a New Zealand win one night, a South Africa win the next night, and that very familiar old rivalry, you know, once again in a final. I, 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 I say this not as an English person, I just say this in general as someone who loves rugby and, and loves a bit of variety in rugby. I would like something in there to be different because that's a very tried and trusted combination, if you like. I, Whichever way it is, it would be more interesting for the tournament, in, in my view, if there is a change to that. I mean, I, I don't for a minute think we're going to see an England-Argentina final, but it would be good if one of those games doesn't just go to the script because then it feels like, the certainly in this part of the world, that the, the interest will fade pretty rapidly and it'll just be seen as, are we, you know, We've seen this movie before. It's the same old sort of hierarchy clashing for the title, and and uh, the you know the interest will drop in this part of the world. So it would be good if there's an upset. It'd be good if something different happens. Um, I don't see it. I think it probably will be uh, New Zealand South Africa, and then that's fascinating, isn't it? Because you know New Zealand did a number in the in the rugby championship, then South Africa uh, at a game I went mm. to at Twickenham, albeit a warm-up game, absolutely turned the tables and and put New Zealand away quite emphatically that night. So that's fascinating in itself. And no doubt, you know, there'll be a lot of uh, 
a lot of edge and drama if, if that turns out to be the final. But in terms of that 2019 rematch, there's going to be players in the England camp who take that in with them, and they will definitely, they'll definitely remember that. They'll feel that, and there will be a lot of you know fire in the belly. I mean, they're going to need everything they've got. They're going to need every ounce of fight in them, power in them, skill in them, and motivation because they are really up against it. So I've just got a feeling something's going to happen that it's not going to quite be the weekend everyone predicts. So yeah. Just wait and see. All right, we'll have to wait and see on that because uh, over here, mate, uh, England, you can get England at $4.80 and Argentina at $7.50 to win their uh, semi-finals. So that kind of tells you the way it's looking over here. But, hey, listen, really appreciate your time, mate. Go well. Enjoy the rest Thanks, of your Chris. time in France and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon, eh? Good to talk to you. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Uh, Chris Foy, the, the uh, rugby editor from the Daily Mail and pretty much bang on, is he? I think... Uh, I mean, I think he wants it not to yeah. be New Zealand South Africa final, but I think he's he's pretty much uh, resigned to it. Yeah, I think a lot of people out there would love a little bit of a change in this uh, the makeup. That's why they were hoping that the North would would get there and would have an all Northern uh, semi finals. But it's not meant to be, and you know, World Cups are different, and it's, it doesn't surprise me that he thinks when he speaks about England rugby and players in particular that uh, they carry on and. They, they hate the thought that people think they're underdogs and they'll be saying everything under the sun to motivate themselves. Everyone's against them. Well, there's a reason why. You're absolute twats. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> to, paraf- to, to paraphrase Steve Devine from commentary. Yeah. Uh, need, a new, uh, need a new mobile plan? Visit Kogan Mobile. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this spring.